Welcome to the acclaimed podcast, Deep Dive with Andy and the White Whale. Welcome to the Deep Dive, week two NFL handicap. We're here for you. Uh, Andy, how you doing this afternoon? Pretty good. Just line watching, watching certain lines come out and making speculations. There's a lot to watch. This is an interesting week. Traditionally, uh, traditionally a pretty profitable week for uh, for those of us who uh, you know who prepare all all season for for this sort of stuff. Um, and uh, to help us handicap week two, we have brought back one of our all time favorite guests, making her fourth appearance on the is deep it? dive. Fourth. This puts you in a tie for second most. Uh, second most excellent friend of the pod. Uh, welcome back to the deep dive, the parlay queen, Monique. How are you this evening? I'm very well. I'm just now wondering, now it's a competition. So how many more do I have to appear on to get the one and only top spot? <laughs> well, the top spot right now is, is held by our, yeah, Suma. Yeah. The top spot right now is held by our, uh, our, our, our sexy German friend Zuma. Uh, he's been on six. And uh, so you're gonna have to do two more to tie to tie Zuma. But uh, actually, yeah, this is. Uh, but you know, regardless, it is an honor to have you back on. Um, every time, you know, every time I, I see and hear insight from you in you know in Twitter and on on podcasts, I'm uh, I'm impressed. And so it's uh, I feel lucky that we uh, we get to bring you back to talk NFL finally. Um, and uh, yeah, week two, there is a lot, a lot of interesting handicapping to do this week we have another 16 games of course uh we have interesting primetime game on thursday night that's super important divisional matchup uh we have important situational factors starting to roll in and impacting all these games we have meaningful injuries that are going to be important to handicap in order to find the right side so you don't uh, end up getting a really terrible number or uh uh, or have to buy out of uh, bets because of uh, injury news as the week goes on um, and, uh, yeah, I think maybe kind of, you know, we did this with Caleb in, in the week one podcast, uh, and, uh, it would be worthwhile doing again here for week two, talking about process a little bit. Um, but, uh, you know, we saw, we finally saw football and we finally got a chance to evaluate with our own eyes. A lot of these teams, uh, that, uh, you know, to that point to, to, to a great deal, we had been speculating on how, you know, how changes over the offseason were going to manifest in gameplay. And I don't know, my major takeaway from week one was not a lot really changed. The good teams are still good and the bad teams are still bad. Uh, You know, a handful of, um, you know, a handful of uh, teams like the Falcons failed in the same way they failed last year. Chargers failed in the same ways they failed last year. Uh, And, uh, you know, it's almost like, you know, not a lot has really changed from 2017 where we left off. Um, and it would be worthwhile kind of going through and talking through, you know, potential, uh, narratives that have emerged and whether we think some of these narratives are useful and important for handicapping week two, uh, or their noise that could potentially lead to overreactions in the market and, uh, value fading effectively. Um, so I'll go through and and talk through a couple of these and, and then maybe there's a couple you guys have as well. Um, Maybe the easiest and most fun place to start is the Jets. Monday Night Football. Everybody tuned in. They saw the Jets cover by the widest margin of any team that covered. 
They were six and a half point dogs. End up winning uh, in style, covering by 37 and a half points. Uh, Sam Darnold went from 10 to 1 for rookie of the year to the proverbial favorite. Um, as you look at that specific game, Monique, and then look at what happened with the look ahead line for Miami, New York was, you know, we were expecting to see New York as either small underdogs or small favorites. They ended up opening that thing at New York minus three and a half. Um, how do you take what you saw on Monday night with the, with the Jets and with Sam Darnold and uh, kind of evaluate what happened in the futures market for rookie of the year and for this, uh, for this game, Jets in Miami? Well, you definitely looking to rookie of the year, you can't be surprised to see him as favorite or co-favorites because honestly, a lot of the rookies that were, you know, shorter prices earlier in the year, we don't even know if they're going to be playing or how long it takes to get to see them on the field. So from that perspective alone, I'm not surprised to see him that way, but he really did look great. But I think the most to take out of that game was just how great the Jets defense did play. They were a defense that was so, they took advantage of every opportunity and all those pick sixes and everything, all those interceptions, just the aggressive nature of their defense was so nice to see. And obviously you can't take away from Darnold, but we didn't really see him in the fourth quarter and we didn't really see him much of the game, to be honest, because of how, you know, how easy they scored so to speak. So he looked great. It's very hard to find a lot of things to say about it, but I was more impressed with their defense than I was him. Ooh, interesting. And there were, there were some moments there were, I forgot about Darnold. They, it was punt return touchdown. And then, you know, uh, interception return touchdown. It was actually a long time. It was like the, you know, it's like when your starting pitcher sits in the dugout forever on a, you know, on a long, uh, big high scoring inning for the offense. I, know, right. I, was little, I was a little worried about him. Like, I haven't seen him in like 15 <laughs> minutes. But yeah, I'm I am very happy holding a 10 to 1 Darnold rookie of the year. I love a quarterback for rookie of the year. I don't know if uh Saquon will have enough behind that line. I think that's the right move there. Well, it'll be interesting to watch that throughout the year if there's maybe some long shots we should be taking. We kind of looked through it today, we didn't see much, but I mean he he looked so great after the pick six. And I think you should talk about, I think you need to talk about how like he handled that because boy, that could, he's 21. He's the youngest starter in how long and how, how you react to throwing a pick six in your first, you know, throw like that. Like he really, he really stepped up and performed well and didn't let that break his confidence. And I think that's big for, especially for a kid of that age. So I think they can get eight, nine wins and that's, that might lock up an award for him because that's good in Jets world right now. Mm. I like it. That's, those are all good points. Yeah. The, to bat, to be a 21 year old in your first start, throwing a, throw a pick six in your first pass uh, on the road, in a dome, in a hostile environment against a team that has, you know, maybe borderline playoff aspirations uh, to then come back and perform the way he performed was extremely impressive. Um, Are you buying the Jets as a, as a contender in a relatively weak AFC Monique? Um, I don't know. You know, I have to see more than one game, but I think for me, the more I think about it, I feel like I'm not giving him as much credit as I should, but I think I'm really biased on this (laughs) and I'll tell you why. So I'm sitting there with, I'm I'm thinking, okay, so new quarterback, rookie quarterback, they're going to give him a couple easy passes to start the game. So I'm like, all right, let's take completions. And it was 19 and a half. So I'm sitting there at halftime and he has 12 completions. (laughs) In a You're tight like, game. Yeah. So I'm yeah. like, oh, yeah, this is, this is fantastic. We're at like 12 at the half or 11 at the half. I'm like, 
this can't be looking any better. And then I look away and it's a uh, pick six, pick six, run, run, pick six. I'm like, oh, wonderful. <laughs> so for, from my perspective, obviously betting, I was a little soured about it, but they, they did look really good. But, you know, you can't really overreact to one game. And obviously they had everything going their way. And it's, you know, when you get out to an early lead, you obviously look great on both sides of the ball. So I think saying that they're a contender is a little bit premature, but they definitely did look good. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's that is incredible because they scored, what, 31 points in the third quarter? Uh, and sure enough, yeah. he only had what another four or five completions. A lot of those completions were even on that last drive where they were just trying to kill the clock. Uh, boy, ouch. Uh, okay. The, um, well, and, that- and the take another takeaway from that game is you know, it just if you watch the game, even if you watch that whole game and you looked at the whole box score afterwards, you also kind of you know stay up on the news. Like, who was it? Uh, Darren Lee, the, the linebacker. They they said like they knew his hand signals. They were they had you know just again a baseball analogy. It's like the guy the runner on second that's uh, throwing the signals back. Apparently they knew, and I don't know if that's just BS or what, but it kind of felt like they knew when you go back and look at it because they picked him off a lot, and it easily, was just easily yeah. It, it looked like well they just know where the ball's going. Brutal. They, they know they know where the routes are almost. It was so I guess I could make a case for maybe buying on the lions or not being so hard on the lions. Maybe don't fade the lions as hard this week. If you're planning on it, because I think Matt Stafford can be a lot better if the defense doesn't know what the play is, but is he yeah. healthy? Yeah, no, he did get beat up, but he's, he he's got like big Ben. He's up. always beat up. That guy is always <laughs> knocked around. So That's yeah, true. that'll be interesting too, to see, you know, I, I look at injuries a lot more later in the week. Once we get the Friday, reports but yeah that's that's not great and honestly on the jet side too they took a lot of knocks in the defensive backfield they had guys going down left and right and still were picking off passes Mm -hmm. well i you know overall i feel like that everything you just laid out which i agree with i feel like also is an indictment of the lions coaching staff right i mean like we haven't necessarily been big supporters of jim bob cooter uh, on this podcast and uh, the fact that they retained him and the fact that he just rolled out the same stuff after, you know, presumably everyone in the league got a whole, you know, whole off season to kind of try to identify their tendencies. And sure enough, their week one opponent identified all their tendencies uh, and capitalized on it. You know, I mean, that that's a pretty brutal indictment of the coaching staff right there and uh, whether they can turn it around on a short week because they played Monday night. Now they got to travel to the West coast. Uh, it's, uh, I'm not uh, getting involved in this one because I think, uh, we could be talking about a pretty nasty, uh, start to the season for the lions. Um, speaking of nasty, Andy mentioned it. Buffalo looks like a, an FCS team playing in the NFL. I mean, the, the, the degree to which they were unsuccessful was difficult to quantify. Um, they came out with football outsiders did their DVOA and published all that stuff. The numbers for the Baltimore defense and the Buffalo offense were utterly ridiculous. Like I can't remember seeing a single game performance that was quite that bad. Lo and behold, they bench Nate Peterman, uh, Josh Allen getting the start this week. And what was expected to be Buffalo as a one point dog at home, hosting the chargers ended up opening Buffalo plus eight. Holy smoke. Six. You're talking about a seven point adjustment there just on the basis of how bad they looked week one. Um, 
you know, because it certainly wasn't because the Chargers lit the world on fire. Uh, they let down as well. Uh, Monique, are you uh, prepared to end the season here for Buffalo and just say position yourself for a draft pick or is, is there some silver lining somewhere? Honestly, no, there's no silver lining. <laughs> I think if they get Josh Rosen in ASAP, potentially it'll help. But the problem is their offensive line. I mean, one of their huge problems, that that is what I would say would be probably many. their biggest. But I mean, they're not putting up, they're not going to be putting up many points. Their defense is terrible. I mean, the, the players, to some extent, didn't even look like they cared when they were out there. It's one of those years which just, I mean, Bill's fans are always going to be so loyal and I know that as good as anyone, but it's just, it's it's terrible. They just can't wait for the season to be over. <laughs> it's September 12th. <laughs> Going into week two. That's kind of your local team. The first it is. I've been to so even... many games. It's it's oh, honestly oh. it's to see the love the city has and just how prideful they are and just I mean there's no optimism. What can you really say is good? I mean you have a you drafted a quarterback which could help, but at the end of the day, when your offense is as bad as it is and your defense is as bad as it is, what are you really looking forward to? Just maybe oh, hope for an early man. draft pick and <laughs> rebuild. The first snowflake hasn't even fallen on the shores of Lake Erie and the Buffalo Bills season <laughs> is over. Uh, is. Oh, man. Honestly, if you watch that game and you had an under six, under six and a half, under five and a half, it doesn't matter, under three and a half, like you had to feel pretty good, especially yeah, yeah. especially the way the Jets played. And the You know, the Jets and the Dolphins didn't look terrible. Those are games that you kind of might have penciled in as kind of sketchy games as far as Bill's, you know, getting a win or two. But I... I don't want to say 0-16 because overreaction week and all, but yeah, they're they're not going to get a ton of wins. They're not going to have a, a lot of good opportunities to. Get I think wins. on the preview pod we called 0-11, didn't we? We kind of went through their they're, schedule. They're we were start, like, these guys are going to be start like staring down the barrel of the gun. Okay, and that was even before we knew exactly how bad the defense was. Uh, okay, uh, hey, dude, do we want to should we make that our quick... first game to talk about? Because no, no, no. That's, we'll get, a good, we'll that's a great. One. We'll get there. Uh, I just wanted to ask Monique one other quick question about Buffalo. Um, they made a big to do about starting Nate Peterman week one. They didn't want to. Yeah, they wanted to give Josh Allen more of a soft landing. That lasted all of what three quarters. Uh, do you agree with the uh, the idea of throwing Allen out there and t- letting him take his lumps, getting some uh, getting some reps? Is that the only way this kid improves, or uh, do you feel like they made a decision and they should have stuck with it for a couple more weeks? I mean, throw him out there, see how he fares. It, it couldn't be any worse than what Peterman put forward. I, I think it's good. I think any experience on the big level is always a positive you always learn something you know just being out there you get more comfortable with that and you had to put him in there wasn't really an option at that point when the score is such a blowout I mean they're not they're not going for his head when they're up 30 points so it's it's a good time to get in there and just get a feel for the game and I think I think honestly he probably learned (laughs) <laughs> not much about his team, but, but probably a little bit about being out there. And I think just that experience will help in the future. I like it. Um, okay. How about uh, last one, one more narrative and then I'll open it up to you guys for one that you wanted to talk about, but uh, Tampa Bay shocks. The universe eliminates millions of survivor football players universe. out there. Uh, not the whole uh, shocks everyone except for Andy and the people who <laughs> listened to last week's deep dive. 
They win. Uh, they only won by eight. Andy said sixteen or fifteen. So yeah, almost good. Try, good try. You almost got it. Um, I'll give you credit for that though, because they uh, they covered the spread by a cool seventeen and a half points. Um, that game also went over the total by almost forty points. Wow. Uh, and uh, and it was the highest total on the board at fifty two. Um, is uh, number one. Uh, is this classic uh, Fitz Magic showing um, a you know a flash in the pan in one week where he knew the opponent's defense well and he had all off season you know all, all preseason to uh, to prepare for this start knowing that uh, Winston was going to be suspended uh, and then he's going to come crashing down to earth playing the Super Bowl champions this week or are we talking about week four rolls around and there's a legitimate question about who ought to be the uh, um, the starter in Tampa Bay. And I'll get Andy's take on this first. Well, just another Buffalo Bills quarterback for Monique. I mean, that does help. That's something too, when you're going from week one to week two, um, and maybe that could be something you talk about with Darnold too. You know, once they named him starter, you have a long time to prepare for that first week. It's a much shorter and, Fitzpatrick and Darnold, you know, obviously two ends of the spectrum. One is 21, one's quite a bit older, much more veteran. One, <laughs> one, I mean, one he, yeah, right. One went know, to Harvard, uh, one went yeah, to the Harvard. He's like, the I think Coast. he's 35. Yeah. Well, and just the, with the experience of being in the league, having the week to week routine, it's going to be easier for him to prepare for a team. It's much different preparing for weeks at a time for the week one, get your rookie quarterback ready. And then you go to week two and you have a shorter turnaround. And that goes for every team. It, it doesn't matter if the quarterback's a veteran or if you have a completely veteran team with a great coaching staff. It's tougher to prepare for a team when you only have the six or seven days to go. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what Tampa puts up on week two. Because like you said, it could be you know, playing a division foe like that. Tampa Bay just really had a game plan to – expose that defense and they're going to play a much much better defense this week and i've already bet against them because wait a spoil of the uh, surprise the there man game. what about monique what about you do you believe in Fitzmagic? i think moving forward judging by what we saw out of him in week one and then just how disappointing tampa bay's been for years i think You kind of have to give the starting position, well, way more consideration or consideration at all than you would with Winston coming back. But I think, yeah, if he plays anything like he did um, week one, he should be the starter. And we see this sometimes with with Breeze where, well, the Saints defense where you're going to have 400 yards from Breeze. And then at the end of the day, what are you going to do for a defense? You have to try to match that. So. I think at the end of the day, it really helped having Deshaun Jackson and Mike Evans just completely go off. But for week two, again, Deshaun Jackson, we don't know how healthy he really is. I heard that he potentially has a concussion, uh, shoulder injury. There's a bunch of things going on with him. Whereas if you take Deshaun Jackson out of the mix and you're leaving it to Mike Evans, I mean, I don't know how many points they're really going to put up on the board. So moving forward... I don't, I, well, I definitely don't see 48 points in the future, but I think, I think they could, I think they could do something. I, to be completely honest, I was totally off them going into this season and buy into it. Oh but, man, me too. I mean, they looked good. Yeah. It's funny. You know how you always lump in because of the situation in San Diego when they had them both, but 
Philip Rivers and Drew Brees will always be connected. And they kind of had the same thing where they they had really, really nice days where they lost by over a touchdown and had a huge offensive output. Like that, uh, both teams really need their defenses to step up if they want to be able to get wins out of – if your quarterback throws for that many yards and that many touchdowns – You should never you lose. lose. Yeah, you, you shouldn't be – well, not only that, but losing by over a touchdown, it wasn't like – it was a close game, and I mean, Breeze, they scored late. Even I mean, that that should have been a fifteen point loss. The same thing with the with the Chargers Chiefs. That game wasn't a ten point game, really. They were getting they were getting blown out of the water, just dropping everything. Mm, yep. Uh, any uh, any other uh, kind of week one narratives that you heard, Andy, this week that you think are nonsense? I heard somebody saying Rogers might start. Nonsense. <laughs> uh, how about we'll you, get, we'll any, get to that one. Yeah, anything, anything else that stood out to you uh, as you kind of consume the the sports media uh, post week one? Um, I think spinning that in a positive light. I think it's it's good to see certain players just return from injury and look as good as they did before. Like Ryan Tannehill stands out. Um, <laughs> obviously, what Rogers did coming back after that. Like it's good to see these players that were injured, which were huge question marks going into the season, how they're going to perform and all that. But other than that, I mean, like you said earlier, week one wasn't really that many surprises. The good teams are still good. And the bad teams are even worse than I expected. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, um, let's get into this card. I'm elated to have you on and talk through these handicapping angles. Uh, and, uh, by all means, uh, if you don't already follow Monique, look her up at parlay queen on Twitter. Uh, and, um, you know, the, Never, never shies away from a good opportunity. Um, so this is, uh, we'll, we'll start on, let's start on Thursday night. Um, we got a, uh, a matchup here of extreme importance in the AFC North. As I see it, uh, the Steelers, um, tie the, tie the Browns, uh, the Ravens and the Bengals both pull off, um, you know, an impressive and a, and a pseudo impressive win on the part of the Bengals, in my opinion. Uh, and, uh, so we're talking about two, one and O teams here sitting at the top of their division. Um, and you know, going into a, a short week here, uh, for a game that effectively, uh, decides your early leader in the AFC North. Um, Ravens and Bengals is especially memorable. Uh, last year, week 17, uh, a lot of us and friends of the pod had, uh, Ravens to make the playoffs tickets go up in smoke uh, when the Bengals pulled off the, the miraculous uh, upset week 17. Uh, so this qualifies as sort of a mini revenge angle if you're into that sort of thing. Um, and, uh, you know, this is uh, this is two teams that people, you know, and, you know, among our sharp friends were relatively high on coming into the season uh, for various reasons um, and should make for a pretty great game. I'm kind of looking forward to this uh, Thursday night football game, which is rarely the case early in the season. Uh, but here we are. Um, Andy, uh, do you have a particular standout side here between the Ravens and the Bengals, uh, given what we saw week one? Uh, much like another team we'll talk about later, I don't know how highly I can rate the Ravens offense because I went into the season thinking the Bills' defense is going to be hot garbage. They were it was like we got transported back to that magical playoff run of Flacco's. He looked like he could do no wrong. 
Uh, part of that too, I do buy into the Lamar Jackson improving the box score with ever, without ever hitting the field. I think maybe you can light a fire under Mr. Elite's butt with uh, bringing in a quarterback in the first round. So Flacco did look sharp. I mean, even a really bad NFL defense is still an NFL defense. You got to go out there and make the plays. I'm bullish on the Ravens still. Obviously, they dropped from plus 450 to 2-1 to one to win the division. Now, that didn't hurt to get a tie, but uh, I don't know <laughs> if I, I don't know if I'm involved because I also – I like the Baltimore defense or the Cincinnati defense. They looked a little slow and there were some, there were some big plays given up, but I also kind of want to see luck one more week at it. You know, is he back? How much rust was there? I know the, the shoulder and whatever, and maybe the long ball isn't there, but he was, a I mean, he was a top three quarterback when he was on top of his game. Like did Cincinnati go and get a nice win against a team that has, a really high-end quarterback that's going to be back on top of this game. So both of these teams, I have so many question marks. I don't think I can pick one out of the two right now, especially, you know, going into a short week with so many, you know, just so many question marks about how they actually perform. It's tough. I feel like I'm, I can make better judgments week one than week two because I'm second guessing myself so much, but yeah, Mm -hmm. I'm staying away from this one. I'm obviously I'm holding a Baltimore to win the division ticket. So I will be cheering for the road team. Mm, Okay. Monique, uh, I said, you know, pseudo nice win for the Bengals, even though Andy just made a great point. Like you'd beat luck at home. Uh, Like that's pretty, you know, that, that, that potentially has some weight especially as we get into the season and figure out exactly how good the Colts are. Um, the Bengals, though, in that game, uh, I thought their, their defense did look suspect. Uh, their linebackers looked suspect. Uh, they, you know, really, you know, without perfect, um, kind of the, the middle pass, you know, mid, mid-range passing game, when it was third and manageable, uh, the Colts converted with ease uh, until the fourth quarter. And it could be just sort of, you know, contagious from last year. Colts were by far and away the worst fourth quarter team we've ever seen in the NFL. And that may have, you know, that, that may have transitioned onto this team, uh, luck notwithstanding. Um, but, uh, were there any takeaways for you from the Bengals that gives you, uh, some sort of edge in this game here, either way? You know, I, I didn't watch them week one, but, uh, I'll take your word for their defense being suspect. I think when you're, Looking at who they played last week and you're saying they beat the Colts at home. I mean, the Colts are only as good as Andrew Luck and he's been so out of football for so long that it's one of those things where without him, they're probably the league's worst team. And with him, if he's not at 70%, are they that much better? So there's not really much to to look at um, seeing as they played the Colts and then the Ravens played the Bills. So it's one of those where I guess week one would be just like a wash, but uh, it should be a really good game. Obviously the early duel for the ASC North, uh, two improved offenses. And I think the most intriguing narrative of this would be just that since he knocked Baltimore from a playoff spot last season. So is it a revenge game for Baltimore? I mean, they're much improved this year, I'd say, and they're, they're good at home. Uh, it's one of those I have to stay away from, but, I would probably take Cincinnati if I were to, but one of those games like that, I always, <laughs> I always try to say take the points. But when it is plus one or a pick 'em, you can't really do that. But I mean, I don't know. It's it's this is the definition of a coin flip. If you have some type of read, then go with that. But 
it's one of those that I'm definitely skipping. I'll okay. take a prop. Prop game. Prop okay. game. Prop game. Absolutely. Prop, <laughs> prop, field prop, goals, probably. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, prop, oh, prop that's not a bad sure. Yeah, First half under, field goal, longest field goal over, uh, uh, something like that. Division division grudge match. Yes, I'm sure some prop like opportunities under, will present under themselves. Under 22 and a half in that first half. You know, no, you know what? I'm going to argue hard against the under, first half under especially. Um, and, you know, a lot of this goes back to uh, what Andy mentioned about Flacco and the Ravens. Um, they draft Lamar Jackson in the first round. They trade up to do it. They gave away future capital in order to get Flacco's replacement. Uh, we saw that happen relatively recently with Kansas City trading up to draft Pat Mahomes, and it unequivocally lit a fire under uh, under Alex Smith at where he came out last season. In the first five weeks of the season, he played at an MVP level. Um, I'm not saying that Flacco will do that, but I see a very, very clear potential for that to happen. You combine that with the fact that they have stability in the running game with Alex Collins. That guy legitimately can play NFL football. Um, and they have a fantastic target for the red zone in Michael Crabtree. Michael Crabtree catches touchdown passes at a clip that I just can't wrap my head around. Uh, he always finds himself open in the end zone and he never freaking drops it. Um, and so he's got, you know, he's got a, a set of tools now that he can absolutely go to war with. And he seems to have, you know, has, have, you know, been rejuvenated. I'm buying into the Flacco, you know, his back type of narrative here, um, at least early in the season. Um, Baltimore goes from here. They, they head back home. They host the, um, the Broncos, uh, first game that they'll be at a mile high. I love the, love the Ravens in that spot. Uh, then they get, uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers, uh, in a game that if they can win, they will then have wins over the Bengals and the Steelers, assuming that they win here on Thursday night. Uh, and uh, getting the cart so far ahead of the horse here. We're I know. I'm just, on week four. I'm just I'm trying to paint a picture that like if you're looking at last year's the way things played out in the AFC and you're looking at, well, who's this year's Chiefs? I feel like it's the Ravens. Seriously. Like, you know, this this is a, this is a game where you're st- you're catching the Bengals without perfect. Their linebacking core is suspect. Their defensive line is great. They have some awesome pieces. They can rush the passer, passer, but you can absolutely match strength versus strength with your offensive line here. Give 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 Flacco some clean pockets. Give him the opportunity to succeed. Um, my first angle handicapping this game, I wanted to get onto the over. I saw they opened it at forty three and a half. That number disappeared quickly. Uh, now it's up to like a juiced forty four. Uh, so I looked then. So oh, well, you know, maybe maybe the Bengals uh, are better than you know. Maybe there's some overreaction here on how good the Ravens are. They opened it at Ravens minus one. The line flipped. It's now Bengals minus one. Um, but I've kind of talked myself into this position on the Ravens here, taking them on the money line at plus one hundred two. I agree. It's a relatively close to a coin flip game. I think that the revenge angle is for real. I think that the Ravens likely spent a whole heck of a lot of time in their offseason kind of thinking about what they've done wrong uh, in years past playing the Bengals. Because if you look at the last, say, I don't know, nine or so matchups between Baltimore and Cincinnati, a lot of them have gone in favor of Cincinnati. Cincinnati has somewhat of a secret, you know, secret sauce. I think they're like seven and two or something like that uh, against the Ravens over their last nine. So they, you know, and these are, these are coaching staffs that are intact from last season. So, you know, there's, there's reasons to, you know, to look bangles here, but, um, but end of the day, the Ravens under Harbaugh have been truly special on Thursday night football, uh, with extra, you know, with that, with short rest, this team has figured out how to get, uh, wrinkles into their game plan on short week, uh, to the tune of, they have one, 
their last, I want to say seven uh, Thursday night football games where they had uh, a short rest. Uh, there's one you throw out week one where they got blanked by Peyton Manning and the Broncos, but you have to go back to 2010 to find Ravens on a short week on Thursday night football, taking an L. Uh, and uh, going through that list, there are some impressive wins against the likes of the Steelers uh, and otherwise. Uh, and I really, you know, I really am feeling feeling some love for the city of Balto right now. They're going to get this win on Thursday, and they're going to get they're going to get a little momentum early per, early part of the season. Uh, so this is probably one of three or four weeks in a row. I'm going to back this team. Let's slide on down. Let's move to before Sunday you, before you can talk me out of it. Cause I've already placed my bet on the yeah, Baltimore money line. Uh, no, I, I bet the over too, but, the, but my, I have, a, I have a larger position now on, on the money line for, for Balto. So let's go Ravens. Um, we got, uh, let's talk Andrew Luck. Yeah. Let's talk Andrew Luck. Next one. Colts and the Redskins. God, this, is, this was the other game that I, I forgot this was next in the rotation order, but it's the same thing. Like is Alex Smith and Washington good or is the, is the beleaguered Carol or Carolina Arizona defense just that bad? Cause even Suma brought that up. Like Washington was trying to run out the clock in the third quarter. Like they, they could have scored a lot more. So I, that's one I, yeah, those it's, of it's, us- almost, it's almost the same thing. Like that's a, bottom three defense. I don't think it's an overreaction. Yeah. Those of us on the over wish they had scored a lot more. Um, the, uh, yeah, and the Cardinals were determined to not help you out with that. They were not, they had not, they had nothing, you know, Sam Bradford looks absolutely, uh, lost out there. Their, their, their scheme, uh, that, you know, you can tell they hired a defensive coach in the off season. The Cardinals scheme is, was trash, but we'll, we'll save Cardinal talk for a second. Um, let's talk about the Redskins. They, uh, they suffered a whole heck of a lot of injuries to some first unit guys in their first preseason game against the Pats. That gave them the opportunity to put a lot of their second unit guys in there, get them meaningful reps, uh, with a relatively healthy squad. Then week one, they looked like world beaters. This, uh, we talked about the Redskins in the off season. We'd mentioned that they had a relatively soft schedule to start out and there would be lots of good opportunities to back this team. Um, they open up as five and a half point favorites in their home opener against Andrew Luck and the Colts. Uh, Colts looked the offense looked good in the dome. They were fine. They converted lots of third downs until uh, the fourth quarter. Uh, and it was one inopportune fumble, uh, which was returned by the Bengals that really kind of tilted that score. I think if you kind of dig through the box score, you would tell yourself Colts had a real, real chance to win that game. Um, and uh, Andrew Luck now heads outside uh, to the shitty field. The, the, the FedEx field is such garbage. Um, and uh, I'm expecting things not to look quite as smooth and as clean for the Colts offense early in this game is what we saw when they were in the dome. Uh, Monique, do you have a feel for, uh, for Washington Indy? Not really. I, I liked the offensive plan they had with the Redskins just rely on a heavy ground game. And at the end of the day, if the defense can, defense can't stop that, then just continue to pound the rock and just get a lead. And just, I, I do, I do see, and I did see how they were trying to run the clock out really early in the third quarter. <laughs> they didn't look comfortable from that perspective, but I feel like they'll have just a pretty similar offensive attack going into this game. The spread is spreads a little bit high, a lot higher than I would hope for initially, but I would take the Redskins. Mm. You got uh, you got five and a half point spread here, Andy, which would ex- which would tell you that the Redskins are what two and a half points better than the Colts on a neutral. Yeah, uh, is that reasonable? 
<sighs> I don't know. This is another one where I, I don't have a great feel for it because, like, if – and who do, who do the Cardinals play this week? I guess I got to – Cardinals are going to the L.A. Rams, 13-point yeah, dogs. Yeah, <laughs> that's the thing. Like, yeah, obviously that, that line is – Probably pretty close. Like, if the Cardinals are truly that bad, you know, how good is is that Washington offense? I did love the running game. Actually, Alex Smith continues to be competent. Like, people ragged on him for a lot of his career. He's in it, he's efficient. Like, if, if you have a good running game and they, they have a nice offensive game plan, they can go down and score and win games, you know, against teams that they're supposed to beat, and they could be an outside shot to make the playoffs in this, uh, even in a tough NFC. I really think I'm just going to watch and learn from this game. I'm tempted to take luck in the points because Ooh, yeah. I think he's, I think he's back, but I want to see him do it, especially on the road. Yeah, it's Second tough, game, man. You know, I, I probably will just stay away from this. I lean Indy, but I'm not going to bet it. I I hope Luck's back. It's good for the league. It's 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 good to have competent quarterback play, especially as you look down. I'm on the Sports Insights page, and I'm seeing some names I don't want to see starting in the NFL, including some uh, undecideds. But uh, yeah, I it's a stay away game. This is it feels like Washington maybe is a little too heavy of a of a favorite against maybe an Indianapolis team that should have gotten a win if it weren't mm-hmm. for just some bad luck at the end. So I'd, I'd lean towards the points, but uh, it's something I'm staying away for. Same thing with the total. That feels about right. It, it feels like kind of a 24-21, 27-20 game. Mm. I capped this one 23-20 uh, for the Redskins. And uh, I'm, so I guess I'm with you guys that maybe the line is a little too – uh, too uh, favorable for the Redskins. I didn't really make a very, very significant adjustment to either the Redskins or the Colts after what we saw in week one. Um, but uh, I did take a position on under 45 and a half here. Um, got that at plus 103. And um, really my angle is just that the Redskins showed the ability to grind out that geek yeah, that clock against Arizona. Um, and if they, you know, if they did that against a team, uh, you know, with the defense like the Cardinals, which I don't think is bottom three, but, uh, you know, it's definitely bottom half. I'm expecting they're going to be able to do it against the Colts as well. Um, and, um, you know, maybe we see some sort of backdoor magic from the likes of luck, but I'm certainly not going to hang my hat on, you know, Colts being down 10 and needing luck to score a touchdown to keep, to get that thing inside the number. Um, An- so another, another quick factor too, is Indianapolis did have to play without their starting running back and he's not Le'Veon Bell but it's always nice to have all your players and Marlon Mack is on track to play I think this week so that could make a difference and honestly in your favor a good running game kind of benefits an under if they if they can run the ball and eat up some clock and maybe slow the game down a touch yeah because so, yeah I, mean, yeah, the, the Colts- a, I guess I'd, I'd forgotten that when when I was yeah. looking at it earlier, that was another reason I liked Indy. They're getting getting him back, and I think he can be a big he can be a big part of the passing game too. Yeah, decent. Uh, you know, going from playing both of these teams played indoors in a controlled environment last week. Now they're both outside. Uh, potential in DC that we see some lingering effects from the hurricane. Uh, yeah. You could have some wind. You could have some rain. It could be a mess. Uh, you add all this up, uh, and I feel like you know 
we're talking, you know, we saw also, we saw how many passes did Andrew Luck throw last week? Like 48. Uh, I got to think that if they do have their starting running back, they're going to try to limit some of the uh, number of times that Luck is throwing the ball this week. Um, and uh, all of this to me just screams great look at the under. And the fact that I'm getting a number like 45 and a half at plus 103 uh, was an easy call for me. So let's go. Uh, let's go. No points. Uh, team, no points here. Um, let's flip the script on that and talk about team points. Uh, Panthers head to the Falcons. This one is an interesting one. Falcons are coming off of 10 days rest after a brutal uh, repeat loss to the Eagles uh, in Philadelphia. Um, they go from playing outdoors on a relatively slow field against a really good defense uh, to playing in their own home where they have speed and talent that was designed to play on that turf. Uh, And by all means, everything was screaming back the Falcons, get the number early. Don't wait. Don't wait for it to inflate. Like, uh, you know, this is a team early in the season that is getting extra rest. That matters a ton. We saw it regularly last year, early in the season, teams on extra rest were, uh, were covering spreads at ridiculous clip. Um, and uh, to top it all off, Carolina did not look particularly good against the Cowboys. I felt like the Cowboys lost that game more than the Panthers won that game. Um, and, uh, you know, you got a banged up Luke Keekley now uh, and uh, Christian McCafferty going against an Atlanta Falcons team that just lost their uh, their best tackler in Deion Jones and their best safety in Keanu Neal. Um, rather than get involved here backing the home favorite, which was my original gut call, I ended up taking over 45 and a half. Uh, Monique, do you have a, a particular uh, a particular angle on this one that, that that's screaming at you? Honestly, nothing. If anything, I would be looking at the total as well. But <laughs> it's another prop game for me. But... You know, it's it's tough. It's one of those where if you're judging it by what you saw to week one, the Cowboys looked so bad. The Panthers didn't look much better. And if anything, Atlanta probably wants to be back on the field right away to, to show that they weren't as bad as they did earlier on. Um, six, is, six is a lot of points to, to be giving up. Uh, I, I don't know. The Panthers are one of those teams where going into the season it's are they going to be good are they going to be bad or are they just going to be one of those middle teams again i kind of feel like they're going to be one of those middle teams again i just haven't really seen enough i don't really think they have that much upside and the total i i guess i mean the total is pretty spot on it i'm seeing 44 and a half i think yeah i don't know i really have no opinion on that game in particular i would lean falcons initially but it's, it's a lot of points again Given that you have Christian McCafferty on the turf and no Deion Jones, no Keanu Neal for the Falcons, if you're a line maker, what kind of props are you hanging for Christian McCafferty? You know, you got to put him at uh, probably, you you kind of have to go low because you kind of have to base it on what he did in week one. And he only had... How many did you have in week one? Ten carries like, for fifty yeah, yards. Wasn't very good. Yeah. You can't you can't go that crazy on it. Probably sixty-eight and a half. You're playing a team that has a good defense. And of course they're not there. And there's a lot of players, key key players in particular, that aren't going to be playing. So it should benefit the run game, but you gotta put it at like sixty-eight and a half, and then probably the number of carries. <sighs> 18 and a half, maybe a little bit higher because probably will be a run heavy game. Mm, mm, interesting. Uh, Andy, anything, uh, I know you took a position on this one early, just based on, uh, based on what? 
I just, I really think Carolina was unimpressive. If, if that's the look the Cowboys are going to give you, and that's all you can do with that. I wasn't impressed with the offense. I don't, and you can say what you want about what the Cowboys scored. I don't know if there was a defense in the league that wouldn't have held them to that. The way they were calling plays, I just, I wasn't impressed with Carolina. I was impressed with everything but the red zone. I, th- I think that just such an outlier that early game. Like, if you put 99 different teams in the field and gave them the, the red zone opportunities that Atlanta had, I think the mean score that that team would put up for a team total is like 30. Mm-hmm. That was just nuts. I've never seen anything like that, I guess. I think that offense is a lot better. There's no way they're so you know, unaware of what's going on that that's not what they won't work on all practice. They have to get better. They were cruising in between the 20s and then just ground to a halt. I think Atlanta's going to score a bunch. I don't think I'm worried much. About, I, I grabbed a five, and if I don't like it, I guess it's it's six now. I can buy back out of it. But for now, I'm just going to sit on that because I do like the home. Uh, I, I like the home favorite here on the fast track. I think, uh, and I am a little worried about. There's talk of uh, Freeman. I don't think he practiced today, but I, it's not like Tevin Coleman's that bad. So no, he's good. I think I'm going to stick with that now. And yeah, that's a play I've made. Okay. Well, uh, let's hope Sarkeesian was saving the good plays for this uh, big divisional game, huh? Um, saving him for the fast track inside. <laughs> saving him for the good plays. Yeah, save, hopefully he was saving the good plays. Uh, let's uh, let's talk about your Vikes, Andy. Um, their defense was all universe last week. I felt like they put on a hell of a show. Uh, and uh, they head now outdoors to Green Bay to take on Aaron Rodgers. Wait, or will they? Uh, it looks like MCL sprain for Rogers may keep him out of this game. Uh, we see the super contest, uh, was forced to hang a line for their, um, for their pick contest. And they put, uh, Minnesota's seven point favorites on the road. Uh, so Andy, I'll ask you, number one, is that enough points? If Deshaun Kaiser really suits up, uh, and I, number two, I would, I would bet that I would, you would what's your that. number two. Number yeah, two, Sean Kaiser is a number two. That's what well, he given is. that he's given that we're <laughs> given that we're waiting for uh, for lines to pop on this one to actually bet into this. Is there any other way to take advantage of this in terms yeah. of futures and stuff? Perfect, perfect little segue because I was going to say I don't want to get too deep into a game where we don't know one of the starting quarterbacks. But if it is Rodgers, it should be a pick 'em slash maybe Green Bay minus one one and a half. If he's not playing, seven is not enough. Deshaun Kaiser is a turn turnover machine against a ball hawking defense, top three defense, who honestly, I, I was kind of impressed with Jimmy Garoppolo and getting ahead of myself. Like He looked good against a very good defense. I think uh, against a, a lesser quarterback, things could go really poorly. Think, you know, think Peterman. So if Kaiser starts, that line should be closer to eight and a half, nine, maybe even to double digits because Anytime you look at an injury or, you know, suspension, any reason that's only half of the handicap is, you know, who's missing, who's stepping in to replace them is so important because there are a lot of competent backups out there and Sean Kaiser's not in. Same thing as last year. (laughs) I mean, what was, what's the guy whose helmet didn't fit right from last year? Brett Hundley. Oh, Hundley. Like, it wasn't the fact that you lost Aaron Rodgers. It was the fact that you lost Aaron Rodgers and you didn't have some guy to step in that could 
be a game manager even. I mean, he was just a disaster at times. It, yeah, seven on the road. I would I would take that number against Kaiser right now. So interesting. You know, it's tough with hypotheticals, and like you alluded to, too. Um, you know, the lines are down. Every offshore, they're down. Even in Vegas, they're they're off right now. But there are Vikings to win the North futures up. There's Vikings to win the NFC. If uh, if you really think Rogers is out. Vikings to win the North at like plus 105 is kind of sexy. I might have kind of bet it already because if they can go 2-0 and with a game up on the road against the toughest competition they have in the division, that's a good spot to be, it's even if you're just hoping to buy back and you know protect yourself later on, getting some money down on that plus 105. If they win the game, it'll be minus 250 tomorrow or I love Monday. It. Um, Monique, uh, the Vikings after they play at the Packers, uh, they get a they get a home game where they're going to be fifteen point favorites against the Bills, uh, and then they get two really really tough road tests at the Rams and uh, at Philly. Um, how do you frame the Vikings' potential NFC title hopes, and is it worth? kind of getting involved now at a number like plus 500 to win the NFC versus waiting until maybe after we see what they look like against the Rams and the Eagles. Uh, two tough road games. They could be three and two at that point. Uh, and maybe you get a little better number than 500. I don't know. How do you see this playing out for the Vikes? Uh, going into the season, I thought they were a lock to win, to be honest. I wasn't, I mean, their defense is fantastic and honestly, they look even better than they did last year, which is completely scary to, to think. For me, it was always about if they can put enough points up on the board. Um, I think, well, what you're saying that they were seven-point favorites with the Packers, and that's that's so low. It doesn't even matter who's starting. If it's not Aaron Rodgers, we're looking at a minimum of a two-score game. Um, looking forward, yeah, it's going to be tough to be playing on the road at Rams. That's a really close game. That's definitely a pick 'em. And then I think they can I think they could definitely beat the Eagles. Um, but plus five hundred is is great. I for me, I would lean more towards the plus one oh five to win the division. I think it's safer and at the end of the day, if you're getting plus money with this team, you gotta take that. Uh if they do end up faltering some way down the road, I think you can get way better than plus five hundred. But like you said earlier, getting a couple games up on their toughest competition in the Packers, you kind of have to take them to win their division. Mm. Can I ask you if it's, if, so if you pass and they're like the nightmare scenario plays out, they go five and oh, they beat the Rams and they beat the Eagles on the road. They have tie breaks now over everyone. Uh, what kind of number do you think they are to win the NFC at that point? Cause it can't really get that short. Can it? I mean, uh, yeah, probably the playoffs, you know, I think it depends how many points, if anyone can put, let's say, you know, three touchdowns on the board against their defense. I think it, it gives everyone hope, but I don't see that really happening. I think their defense is otherworldly, to be completely honest. And I think they would get really short. If they can beat the Rams, the Packers, the Eagles, and who else do they have? The Saints in, I think that's week eight. Yeah, they're they hosting them, that, right? Yeah, see, you know, I think if you want to bet something, uh, Vikings related and it's not Super Bowl you have to do it now I think it's it's only going to be this one week of wiggle room especially now that we know Rodgers isn't going to be playing I think you only really have this week to bet anything Vikings if you want to bet them for the Super Bowl you can obviously wait on that and see what happens in the other conference and everything but yeah you just got to get on Vikings right now 
Mm, okay. Well, they do have to. You mentioned uh, if anyone can put three touchdowns on them, they do have to go at the Jets week seven and play mighty Sam Darnold. So hold on to your butts for that one. Yeah, that's a tough spot. Um, let's uh, let's let's move down here and talk about uh, your San Diego Superchargers. Uh, looking at uh, wow, uh, I cannot believe I'm going to say this, but looking at the way the market moved, they opened this at Buffalo minus plus eight. And uh, the old school sharps could not help themselves, but put money down on Josh Allen to cover, uh, keep this thing inside double digits. That that's uh, uh, that raises uh, yeah, a good yeah, question: yeah. Are the Bills the new Browns, or they're just a, great, a, great a question. huge number that the sharps grab every week and are rewarded with a big fat L? That's a great question. We're we're expecting to see fifteen next week against the Vikings. Oh, I saw uh, that in the look-aheads. That's that's nuts. That's a big it's, one. It's a big one. Yeah, I don't know, Andy. What uh, did you get any action on this? Or are you going to just kind of cover your eyes and probably not even going to see this one on red zone unless it's just a, a recap of Chargers uh, Chargers passing touchdowns. Even even being on the road, um, I like where the totals at to put it into a teaser. If a, to- a total under forty-five with a team with a good defense and it going to fall into the one criteria of probably being if it if it stays in that seven and a half eight range it's definitely going to fall into a teaser for me i don't know how i feel about laying the points um it doesn't matter you know you say you know the gap between the best team and the worst team they're still nfl teams and it's awful tough to go from freaking you know well i guess they're not down in san diego anymore you keep (laughs) drinking that but still from southern california to basically canada i mean you're going up to northern northern New York there. That's a long travel spot, and they do have to play the early game as a West Coast team. That's just kind of a long-standing thing where that's tougher. So laying over a touchdown is a little sketchy, but, boy, that's a really tempting teaser leg, and I do love me a teaser. Mm, interesting. I like that call. I like that call. Uh, Monique, uh, how, do you, uh, how do you approach this one? Chargers versus the Bills. You got uh, old-school sharp action. On Buffalo, moving this line down to uh, Chargers minus seven. Uh, are you going to get involved? No, I'm I'm staying away from that. I did see that uh, weird line movement going on. After what you saw out of the Bills week one, you, you can't take the Bills. It's one of those you either take the Chargers or skip the game. And I'm definitely going to be skipping that game. Sounds good to me. Uh, I like Andy's look on the teaser. Uh, we'll have to circle back and figure out who his pair for that is. But uh, Texans, I see, I see the pair. It's just a little further down there. Okay. Well, Texans are playing the Titans. Um, both quarterbacks got banged up week one. We didn't know until today that Mariota was going to start for Tennessee. <sighs> I skipped this one, even though it falls into my absolutely all-time sweetheart favorite. Uh, situational angle um houston texans on the road for the second straight week to start the season we haven't seen a team cover in week two on their second roadie going back like three years it's on like a 12 and 0 type of run here it just it's so hard on these teams when they're not in game shape yet um and everything it took took a lot of you know we're not seeing a ton of lines but it's taking a lot of um you know, a lot of willpower here not to go ham on the Titans. Um, I don't know. This is a tough one. Let's uh, let's let's keep let's let's keep moving on because we don't really have a line yet on that. And let's talk about uh, uh, maybe yeah, one of the more the, interesting with the Mariota. You know, uncertainty and 
I think some books even have that off right now. Let's talk, but let's talk about the next game where we have the same angle coming into play. Kansas City Chiefs went to LA last week. Uh, and although if you watch the game, you probably thought it was a home game for the Chiefs, uh, it was a road game. Uh, and now they turn around and flying from uh, Kansas City to east to Pittsburgh uh, to take on the Steelers, who have had incredible success over the years against Andy Reid teams. Uh, and uh, I could not wait to get my Steelers bet in, uh, but I was surprised by the line move. Uh, the look aheads here, we were expecting to see Steelers minus seven. They actually opened it minus five. It's been bet down to minus four. People are belie- people cannot wait to go to the window and put money down on Pat Mahomes and Kansas City Chiefs. I really feel like what we saw to them last year was a huge product of them having, you know, a lot of time to prepare and Andy Reid being especially amazing with all of that time to prepare. And oh, by the way, the Chargers couldn't stop, sh- you know, shooting themselves in the foot. Uh, they had four enormously important drops in that game that totally changed the complexion of the game. They gave up a punt return touchdown. Their special teams was just hot garbage all freaking game. Uh, meanwhile, the Pittsburgh Steelers also looked pretty pathetic in tying the Cleveland Browns and got off of weather. Uh, I think the Steelers here at home look like a completely different team and pretty much hang one on the chiefs. So I've sold out, you know, at least I've, I've sold out a half a point here. I'm getting pit minus four at minus one Oh two. Is anyone coming with me on the Steelers? Monique, you coming with me? I'm with you. All right. (laughs) You know, the one thing that does scare me about that game is how many times Ben was sacked. I think it was four times for a a loss of 22 yards. I'm looking at it right now. Last Sunday. And that's that's pretty scary. And the only other thing aside from that questions with the offensive line would be just how they're all doing mentally with the whole thing going on with Le'Veon Bell. I mean, it's obviously going to be affecting your team. You're losing the league's best running back and to readjust. It doesn't matter who you put in as a replacement. I I do think they want revenge at home. I think that potentially they were clouded by all the controversy going on and I mean missing that field goal definitely didn't help them and blowing a lead late, but I do think they get their revenge. I think 4 is is fair. I definitely will take them minus 4. Andy, what's your read on this? Yeah, it's curious to see how far this team goes if people are just so enamored with this offense that they're just going to keep bounding it. it. It might go to three and a half, and I'd still take – four, four is plenty for me. I think, I think I'm think i there, but I'm going to keep watching it, see if it uh, – if there's buyback, I'm just going to grab that four. But if it keeps going four to plus number, or God help me if it goes all the way down to three. Usually Pittsburgh's such a public side, but – I'm showing what do we got like 80% of the bets are coming in on Mahomes right now. And that's, that's it. It's, it's Mahomes and Hill and that offense. People are not worried about that defense. All they see on ESPN and on, you know, Twitter and social media is those bombs and those, you know, electric offense plays. And that is a very huge liability on the other side of the ball. And uh, I mean, going back just in the history of the deep dive, I've always dog on big 12 quarterbacks because they, they don't do well in the big, in the, in the big leagues in the NFL. And I'm kind of wondering if Andy Reed is more of a genius than we thought, <laughs> because how do you make a big 12 quarterback successful? 
You put them in a Big 12 offense. You build a Big 12 team. Andy Reid has just turned the Chiefs into, like, Baylor. Like, they're all flash and speed and no defense. It's like incredible. They, they, I mean, they are a Big 12 team at the pro leagues right now. It's, we saw, we that, saw this total. A, they, they don't have a defense whatsoever. They got rid of anybody except Barry, who's hurt. They're, they're going to struggle to keep the scoreboard from lighting up. But I think they might just be able to win games with their offense scoring 35-40 a game. We saw the to- we saw this uh, total get beat hard. Uh, they opened this thing at fifty. It's up to fifty two and a half. Um, is this the sort of thing like we saw with uh, uh, Tampa Bay and New Orleans last week, where this g- goes sailing over the highest total on the board? Yeah, I mean, it, it's probably where you want it to be right now in the low fifties. But it, I'm tempted. I, I could see both teams hitting thirty points. I'm not. I'm not big on the Pittsburgh defense either. Like they they didn't step up when they were needed. Granted, you know, it's the Browns and you had a new quarterback in a new situation and some getting used to. But, I mean, when it when it came down to it, uh, that Pittsburgh defense didn't step up. I, I think both defenses are liabilities. Both offenses have huge playmakers. This does have the makings of, like, you know, 35-31. This game could fly into the 60s. If there's any buyback and it gets closer down to 51, I'd probably step in. I, I I'd hate to get involved in uh, favorite over and feel real chalky, but shit, that's just sometimes you got to do what you what you're feeling. Well, let's pull for thirty five twenty one. So my Pittsburgh is a no sweat cover there. Um, let's uh, let's move down to another one that I do like an angle on the over. Uh, we see the Miami Dolphins head up to the Jets, and this is again, it's it's weird. I picked, I played two overs this week, both of them divisional matchups, and that's typically stupid. Uh, and I'll own that if they both end up flopping. Uh, but um, but this Jets team, and in particular their offensive game plan uh, by offensive coordinator Jeremy Bates was superlative last week against uh, against the Lions. I thought they attacked in exactly the right way. I would expect them to be equally prepared for a divisional opponent that they are going to have to play twice this year. Um, and, uh, yeah, you get Darnold at home. Uh, you get the crowd absolutely you know, fire, you know, the, the New York crowd is so fired up for this kid. They're so fired up for the franchise. They have more enthusiasm and more hope than they've had in years. Um, and Oh, by the way, the dolphins kind of sneaky. Good. They beat, uh, uh, you know, they beat a Tennessee team, although it took six hours and three hours of lightning delays. They beat a Tennessee team handily last week. Uh, the final score was only a seven point margin, but that was really like a 14 point game. Uh, Tannehill and, you know, he's got, some he's got some chemistry with his guys. Um, they have you know they have weapons. Uh, we see question marks on defense on both sides of the ball, in my opinion, especially with some of the Jets guys uh, being out. Uh, my initial lean here was like, oh, let's get involved with the Jets. They opened it at three and a half. That was too high. It's got bet down to three. It's still pretty damn juicy. So instead of getting involved on the side here, I'm playing the over. Monique, is there value here on either side or total in your opinion? I actually like the under in this one. Ooh, head to head. All right. That's <laughs> okay. good. I mean, That's friendly good. competition, That's not good. so friendly. That's good. All right. <laughs> good luck. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's, it's tough to look and really give Miami that much credit after last week, but it's also my mentality on when a game gets rained out or there's a huge delay or anything like that. 
you tend to favor the home side. It's a lot more comfortable being at home. Great point. Huge rain delay, just being at your own stadium and everything. But I mean, when a game like that takes how many hours was it? Six hours. It's it's really, it's really hard. I mean, you're cramping up, you're tired. You're just not really in the zone. It's, it's one of those where it's tough to really take away from that. Dolphins are another one of those teams where huge question marks going into the season with Tannehill, with just them being just a team that's underperformed. Um, I love what I did see out of the Jets, uh, especially defensively, like I mentioned earlier. I think I would go with the Jets, but I, I like the under. I feel like it's it's going to be one of those games where both teams desperately want to win. I think it's one of those where both teams will try to establish the run early. I think they'll both be fairly successful doing so. I think it's one of those where just time's going to come off the clock. And before you know it, we're going to be in the third quarter. And I don't see very many points being put up in that sense. If it gets into a pass-heavy game, obviously, I'd be nervous for the under. But I think the total's right where it should be. But I, I feel like it's one of those where... You could be getting a 20, 20 to 13 game. That's my prediction on the score. Mm. Oh, boy. Now I'm nervous. Oh uh, Andy, can we get a tie break here on the total? Do you have a lean either over or under? Uh, this is such a stay away game for me. I don't know. <laughs> what, what, do you, what do you think you can learn from a game where it took six and a half hours and there's multiple breaks and they skipped halftime and it, it was so discombobulated that I – I don't know what I can take away from that. I, I know I didn't really love what uh, the Titans were laying down. They they looked flat, but again, it was so weird with all the delays. And then the same thing with Darnold. Like, was that was that an, an outlier? Was that really what he's going to be like? Is is he the real dude? God, I hope so. I got him at ten to one for the rookie. I want him to I want him to succeed, but now I feel like that's in my head. And I, do I really want to just double down on the guy? I think that line's right about right. I think that total's probably a, a touch high. It does kind of feel – maybe the tiebreaker goes to the under. I'm sorry, Whale, but it, it does feel like kind of a grinded-out game where now they have some tape on Darnold and he's not going to have a huge game. They both they have decent running games. I, I think it could be a slower-paced game. I'm not a huge Tannehill guy, but, yeah, stay-away game for me just between Miami – and the long delay game where I didn't feel I took much away from it. And Darnold, I got to see more tape on him before I can make uh, big plays on the jets, especially as a favorite, you know, the jets, the jets as a favorite wasn't something we were seeing a lot over the past couple of years. Yep. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. How do you feel about the over now? Yeah. (laughs) Well, uh, I don't know. Uh, I, I have, I have a lot of respect for Gase and his approach and his chemistry with Tannehill was undeniable. Uh, I like Tannehill's chemistry with Stills. I like, uh, I just, I, there's enough about Miami and enough about the Jets defense that I still have question marks that uh, I can't help myself but play the over here. Um, I feel like I just need, you know, I only need both teams to get, you know, around 23, which is an average, you know, it's an average score. Uh, so, I, you know, and, and the familiarity uh, and, um, you know, the excitement for the Jets with, with Darnold, I, you know, there's there's a lot for me to, to feel positive about heading into this. So um, we'll see. Probably be probably silly because you guys made some great points. Let's talk about the Eagles. Uh, the Eagles were another one where we have extra rest uh, after their opener on Thursday Night Football. Um, and they head down to Tampa Bay and the 
Bucks are returning with the scalp of the Saints on the road. Uh, Ryan Fitzmagic uh, leading this team to uh, a second improbable upset? I think not, uh, personally. Um, I'm capping this as about an eight-point game here. I think the Eagles are substantially better than the Bucks, top to bottom. I think you give Doug Peterson extra time to prepare. I think we get, we, you know, Nick Foles is continuing to get healthier. Uh, and, uh, I, you know, as, as are a number of the weapons on the offense for the Eagles, we'll see if they're all out there. Uh, I think the Eagles pretty much hang their number here. I think the defense eats against the Bucks. The Bucks have lots of holes all over the place. I still can't understand how they beat the Saints. Uh, I sold out to Philadelphia minus four here to get my juice to plus 114. Um, are the Eagles going to ruin my Sunday, Monique? No, I love the Eagles. I'm seeing minus three, which I think is a very nice line for me. I love that. I would even potentially buy up like you did. I think the biggest thing going into this game where, you know, taking out of what Tampa Bay did in week one, you had Mike Evans and Deshaun Jackson who were so efficient and they took advantage of a suspect saying secondary but the Eagles defensively in their week one game were the stars of the show. They limited limited the Falcons to 299 yards, which is impressive. Very, very impressive. Now, like I mentioned earlier, Deshaun Jackson missing practice today is, is rough. I think taking out one of their biggest playmakers and assuming he's not good to go or at 80% or better, I think... They can definitely, definitely, definitely struggle to move the ball downfield. doesn't even matter who's quarterback. Um, I like the short price. I like the Eagles. Even if you want to go money line and add them to a bunch of parlays, I think that's a safer route. But taking it by a field goal, I love. And like you mentioned, I'm very intrigued by this. Plus, what did you say you got? Plus 110 or something? I saw, yeah, Philadelphia minus four, plus 114. Oh, I love that. I'm stealing that wager. (laughs) Nice. Nice. Andy, can we make this a a deep dive? uh, Yeah. uh, Triple trifecta, triple, triple, (laughs) triple dipper trifecta. This is one of the ones I bet too. I'm going to have to go look at what I got. I know I got a three and I think standard juice for it. Maybe not. Yeah. Either way, I'm not going to go hunt it down, but I did get it at three early on. That was one of the ones I wanted to grab. Um, Are you surprised that this hasn't moved? I guess. I don't know. No. You know, everybody saw that early one. And I mean, it, it still is a road game, but they are getting extra rest. They are still, you know, the world champs. They had a very good team. They still have a very good team. I like a lot about what they did. And I don't think people talk enough about the Atlanta defense. Like that was another, that was another part of that early game. Um, Atlanta defense wasn't terrible. Like uh, Phillies. I mean, we saw what breeze did to Tampa Bay. Like Tampa Bay's defense is yeah. pass defense. Their pass defense, their, their especially, defense is god awful. Yeah, so I I definitely see even even without Wentz. I don't think there's. I mean, Foles is it for a while now. That's kind of not a debate anymore. There's no questioning that. So Foles and that offense should be should be moving around the field. I think you'll see plenty of points. Eagles team total over might not be a bad look if you're worried about Fitzpatrick ruining your day like he. Uh, he did because uh, Saints team total covered. That's a good way to take the handicap out of it if you really think uh, an offense is going to score. But that's an interesting angle. I still think. And granted, so what do we got? Forty four. So you're looking at yeah. I waffled twenty two plus one and a half. Philly here now in Philly. Twenty three and a half. Yeah, that's that's uh, that's doable. You think man. the Eagles can score twenty four on Tampa Bay? 
Uh, that's yeah. not a bad look. So yeah. I like that one a lot, but I already did bet uh, the minus three. That's one of my plays this week. Okay. All right. Interesting. All right. Good work, guys. I'm 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 excited for that one now. Glad, glad we all kind of agree on that. Uh, let's talk about one that maybe one of the more controversial plays in my card, uh, and one that I am I'm going against all sorts of data, all sorts of trends here. Uh, I'm backing the Saints under. Uh, I think that the defense has a lot that they need to um, atone for, for their week one sins. Uh, I recognize this being in a dome and the fact that the Saints themselves could probably hit this over uh, is scary. Um, but uh, the Browns coming off the tie uh, against the Steelers, head down to the Big Easy. Um, and um, I still think the Browns are pretty fraudulent as a team. Uh, I think the Saints are going to get right in this spot and hang hang one on them. Uh, but I think they're going to do it defensively. Uh, and um, I like I liked what I saw enough out of the the running game uh, in the, uh, from the Saints that I think that they're going to be able to salt away this win, uh, like we saw with like Washington versus uh, the Cardinals last week. Um, and I'm capping this at about 27-17, but I could even see it get as high as 30 to 17 or 30 to 10. This is this spells every bit of a of a mismatch blowout saints win to me um and i grabbed under 49 at minus 104 uh just because the uh they were asking for a hell of a lot of points there um monique did you take a position on this one or are you feeling something as we head into this get right spot for the for the saints i definitely like the saints minus eight i agree with you entirely i think this is going to be one angry Saints team coming out there and I think defensively they have a lot to prove. They're a team that's never been known for their defense but they took a lot of, I mean they made a lot of changes in the offseason the past couple of years to improve on their defense so I think the only way that you're you're under could be in trouble is if the Saints are just that angry and put up that many (laughs) points but I do think that yeah, Saints minus 8 is one of the best bets of the week. I like it. See, I was thinking like uh, Tyrod Taylor, Tyrod, Tyrod Taylor Tyrod. doesn't. Uh, he doesn't turn <laughs> over the ball. He doesn't turn over the ball much. Saints aren't going to get any defensive scores here. Uh, you pretty sound, you know, pretty sound special teams on both sides. So, um, well, also if the know. game is close, they're just def. They're not definitely not going to start out zero two. So if the game is close, they're definitely going to be putting the ball on the ground and running it out. I mean, you have Kamara, who's as competent as anyone running the ball. So they're. I, you know what? The more I think about it, I do like the under as a play. Maybe, maybe just, maybe even taking uh, team total, eh, not their team total, but taking the team total under. Mm, is nice. Intriguing. It's nice. Andy, are you on board with this or are we out of our minds? <sighs> is this going to be over by halftime? <laughs> yeah. It's another team where maybe I'm a little higher on the Browns than some people. Not high enough to back them, but um, I'm not a hundred percent sold on this. I would like to, I'd like to see a performance out of the New Orleans defense. Um, obviously, am I am I having a conversation where I'm comparing to Rod Taylor and Fitzpatrick? This is such a weird thing. <laughs> we definitely didn't think we have um, preseason, but I uh, I'm a little nervous about that many points. I love it at maybe eight, eight and a half. But if this starts to get a little lower, I pop it into a teaser, possibly even bet it. Um, it's, I want to look at a few more things. It hasn't made the card yet, but I agree with everything you guys said. Like, what do you think about the uh, breeze is going to be mad. What I mean, do you think they're about? Gonna, they're going to come out thunder lightning and try to score 35 on them. 
What do you think about uh, 25 team totals can be up there? 28 and a half, 29. What do you think about your boy, Greg Williams heading back to the big easy? I think he's a knob dick and I'm not worried. (laughs) Okay. All right. right. He's not going to have his defense, especially fired up. Has some playmakers. That is the other part that worries me. Like, um, Pittsburgh, you know, Ben's road splits aren't great. So there's that. Like, possibly it was just a case of, you know, road Ben Roethlisberger. But Cleveland's defense looked pretty competent at points. So I'm a little I'm a little sketched out by that. I'm staying away from this one from now. But, you yeah. know, I wish you guys luck. Cleveland's, uh, there's so many cracks on Cleveland. Their offensive line had cracks. They couldn't really, you know, Terod Taylor didn't really look comfortable in that offense. Todd Haley didn't really look like he knew how to call yeah, a game. Uh, I, think you're, I think you're right on that. Even even if their defense is really good, this still turns out to be like 24-10. I mean, if let me ask you this another way. And I'll ask Monique, uh, let me ask Monique this. If that uh, Steelers-Browns game had ended 21-7, would that have surprised you? Didn't it kind of feel like that was that, that was a 14-point game for the Steelers? It definitely felt that way. And then next thing you know, the game's in overtime and then a tie. It was, yeah, it was one of those where I feel like they just completely mismanaged the clock and just made too many mistakes late. And then those missed field goals didn't help. But the game felt completely under control for the Steelers. Yeah, yeah. I think if that game ends 21-7, the, we're looking at this totally differently. Uh, and I think we're on the right side in that reality. So, um, okay, let's uh, let's talk about. Uh, nah, I don't really feel like talking about the Rams Cardinals. Rams Cardinals is looks like probably the worst game of the week. Thirteen point favorite for the Rams. I guess I got to give the Rams a little bit of credit. They kicked the shit out of the uh, Raiders on Monday Night Football. Second half was one of the finest halves of coaching that I saw all you know all week one from Sean McVay. Their approach was unbelievably strong uh the raiders we'll talk about in a second are a train wreck i don't have a whole hell of a lot of hope for this team uh but uh here we go uh rams get off to a two and no start hanging one on the cardinals uh, in la um either you guys have a take on that or should we talk talk about niners lines yeah that's a big old number that i don't like to fool around with okay niners lines is a little more interesting i couldn't find an angle on this though uh, I wanted to back the Niners all summer long. I was waiting for this spot, uh, but I was waiting for it under the assumption that the Lions were going to get it done at home on Monday night, a six and a half point favorites. I didn't think they were going to cover, but I thought they were going to win. I certainly didn't think they were going to lose by like 30 points. Uh, all, as a reaction to all that, Niners, instead of opening up as about minus three point faves, they opened up what, minus five and a half. Um, it's been bet up even to sixes out there, I'm seeing. Uh, is, uh, is this still an advantage spot backing the, uh, the San Francisco 49ers and Jimmy G, uh, get back on the winning track or, uh, or has there been too much of an overreaction here where there's value on Detroit, Monique? I think Jimmy G could have a good game. I really do. But I, it's one of those where you kind of have to lean lions, I'd say just to win outright. Let's not talk about the spread to win outright, but I never love taking a team when the quarterback got completely completely shut down in week one and completely dominated. And I just don't see Stafford as healthy. Just the way he left the field, hobbling after every play. I mean, I know 
at the end of the day, when you get older, the, <laughs> I would know, obviously, <laughs> aging, everything gets tougher. But to get up and take all those hits, it's it's tough. And I definitely think Jimmy G can have a good game. I think they can put up points. I think both sides can put up points. And I think the spread is a little bit of an overreaction. I'm not sure if I think they can win outright the more I think about it. But I would probably take the six. What do you think, Andy? Embarrassment here on the Lions, the angle they need to get a road win against uh, Jimmy G and company? Yeah, and I alluded to this earlier, and I can never remember if we talked about it on air, but I think we did. The the hand signal thing? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we, we, did, we did bring that up. Like, uh, Matt Stafford, if he is healthy, if he didn't get, you know, his ribs broken or, you know, too bruised up from just getting knocked around, he will be better if the other team doesn't know his signals and doesn't know the play calls and the hot routes and whatever else they knew. Like, just not throwing that many interceptions are going to be in the game. On the other side, I really thought Jimmy G looked good. Like, I, I didn't want to buy the hype. You know, people were talking crazy. Oh, he never lost a game. Well, those games didn't mean a lot. But this was a meaningful game, and he looked good against a top-tier defense. I thought if he was playing, uh, you know, even a, a mid-range defense, the Niners win that game, and they win it convincingly. Like, he made some plays, and there were some drops. There was turnovers. I definitely lean Niners, uh, same as you. And we talked to the mill, too. He had the same thing. We all were sitting there waiting for the Lions to win and maybe get a two and a half. And sure <laughs> enough, the Lions go out and do the what they way. do and you know, went the other way. So we'd all planned on betting the 49ers at two and a half and three, and it just didn't work out that way. Best so laid I plans. I wanted the Niners. Yeah, the best laid plans. Um, And that's the it's gambling. That's the risk you take when you're waiting on a line. You could have bet the Niners at three. I wanted a better number. Detroit let me down. That number didn't appear. It went hard the other way, and now it's a pass for me. Yep. Okay. Let's talk about the game of the week. Uh, Patriots, Jags, rematch of the AFC title game. Uh, it was a pretty good game last year. Uh, this time they're playing in Florida. Uh, it's uh, weather looks questionable. Um, a lot of missing pieces here. No running backs really for either team. Uh, Fournette looks like he's probably going to be out. Pat's down to James White with all other running backs, either out of practice or concussion protocol, you name it. Um, interestingly enough, both teams cover last week in meh fashion. Uh, Pat's, you know, looked like they had that game in control the whole time. They end up winning by seven with a six point line. Uh, Jags, same sort of story. They were ahead all game. Their defense puts them over the top with a late touchdown. The Giants can't catch them. Um, we were expecting all summer to see a line like New England minus two and a half in this one. Instead, they open it at one. And uh, it looks like relatively, uh, you know, relatively sharp action here coming in on the Jags. Um, I have to think that there is a little bit of a feeling of revenge, unfinished business in the Jacksonville locker room about what happened in New England last year. They were a couple of first down conversions away from their first ever Super Bowl as a franchise. Uh, this defense has attitude and is very, very, um, you know, they, they have they have extreme talent and exceptional attitude. And uh, I think you are going to see a pretty impressive effort here out of the Jags defense. 
I'm going to flip the script here and say the Patriots' uh, defense was better than I expected. They made Deshaun Watson look pretty pedestrian. Uh, they, you know, they didn't have um, the same issues that plagued them early in the season last year with just absolutely, you know, just looking slow and having no answer for. Um, you know, for, for talented skill position players, the Jags don't really have those guys anyway. Um, this to me feels like a relatively tight game, a relatively defensive contest. When I saw they opened the total at 45, I thought the under was the obvious best angle to attack this. Let the winner, you know, let it play out as it, as it plays out. This is a 21, 20 kind of game could go either way. I'm under 44 and a half here at plus one Oh two. Um, Monique, if you had to pick a winner here, who are you going with? Oh, I I was going to pick the under, but <laughs> now that I'm forced to pick a side here, I feel like it's one of those games where everyone always has a game plan to beat the Patriots. And then when you get in there, the game plan never just seems to work in your way. And I mean, I love what I've seen out of the Jags. I love, I love them defensively, offensively. I mean, they're okay, but they're way better defensively. I got to go with the Patriots. I, at the end of the day, Tom Brady finds ways to win and you're getting a point, which I wouldn't take it. Just take the money line, better odds. I got, I got to go with the Patriots in this one. Mm. Andy, who wins this game? I don't know. Like I like what Mon- I thought. I almost thought for a second she was going to say it. It made me think of the Mike Tyson quote: "Everyone has a plan until they get punched in the mouth." And yeah, <laughs> <laughs> best laid plan. Go up there, and boy, Tom Brady, Bill Belichick—they're just going to do you up. So, and granted, it, it is in Jacksonville. Um, we've seen New England struggle in Miami in, you know, humid weather or even just Miami in general. So maybe there's that angle. If this sticks around that two to two and a half range, I, I lean under with you guys. I like that angle. I might play that under possible, possible, possible weather mess too. If the hurricane possible weather mess. So possible. I like the close game, good defense teaser leg up to like eight and a half if I can get Jacksonville plus eight and a half and a teaser, I'm loving that. I think they keep it close. I think it's a close game right down to the end. I honestly, to pick a winner would be a coin toss for me. Mm. I, I'd, I'd almost like to see Jacksonville get a win. Just I feel bad for him after that whole uh, that whole debacle in the second half of just coaching scared. That was rough. Uh, most of the bets are coming in New England, so I think I will be able to keep that two two and a half and uh, probably tease them. Dude, Miles, uh, Miles Jack recovered that fumble in that game. They inadvertent, or inadvertent whistle blew it dead. And uh, if they didn't blow that play dead, I think the Jags probably win and go to the Super Bowl. Um, but yeah, I, I agree. I think I think uh, you're talking about a very strong coaching staff that spent a lot of the offseason preparing for this game uh, to get a little revenge. And uh, I don't hang a ton of. Um, you know, I don't, I don't hang, hang a ton of weight on revenge, but it's, you know, NFL is a motive. You know, a lot of it is about motivation and this is clearly a motivational angle. So uh, I'd like to see the Jags get a win here. Um, but, uh, under looked to be the play of the game. Uh, yeah, 44 and a half plus one Oh two surprised. I got that favorable number. Um, there's just really not many weapons here for either team. Uh, I'm not sure there's a skillful player, um, besides Gronk on either team. Uh, start that's going to be starting in this game. Uh, that's all you that, need. Yeah, well, I mean, the, a healthy Gronk oh is, is all you need. 
but uh, besides Gronk, is there? I mean, there's not a lot of guys that I would think would make rosters really <laughs> across the league, <laughs> let alone besides Gronk. So it's 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 a weird weird game. Weird that we might be talking about the two best teams in the AFC uh, and a game that's decided by field goals uh, in a in a gross weather stadium down there. But um, should be fun. Uh, I wish they had put this in prime time. I really don't want to watch Giants Cowboys. Ugh. Uh, before we get to Giants Cowboys, though, uh, let's talk yeah, about Raiders Broncos real quick. Ugh. Uh, Broncos Cowboys. I mean, the Broncos Raiders. Uh, again, this is the third one in a row now that we've talked about. I wanted to back the Niners at home. I wanted to back the Jaguars at home. I wanted to back the Broncos at home. Uh, all summer long, I was waiting for these spots. Uh, and then there, you know, for whatever reason, we, the line just opened up too close to call. So I've had to pass. Uh, Broncos are playing uh, the Raiders on a short week at elevation. Um, we saw a Broncos team that easily should have covered the three last week against the, the Seahawks and blew it. Uh, no, they pushed, but, you know, they, they easily should have had that cover and they couldn't get it, bring it home. Uh, do they bring home a cover this week against the Raiders, Andy? Ooh, this is a game I don't even care about. <laughs> I guess. All right, forget forget about the game then. Let, let me ask you about the Raiders. The what the fuck were they doing? No, and we what we talked. The, to, look, let's let me let me stretch this the, out. Pat myself on the back a little. I said this on possibly on the podcast for sure on our muffed up halftime thing and pregame. I talked about this with people. I said this could be one of the greatest coaching mismatches, and I'm referring to, you know, the Monday night game of ever. And, boy, it sure looked that way in the second half. The first half, I was like, oh, maybe Oakland uh, isn't going to be so bad. And then, boy, that showed. It sure did. I don't know if I liked laying six with Keenum. Like I said, I still have PTSD about every time he'd be getting whipped down into a sack and just slinging the ball up for grabs and hope Thielen will bail him out. He threw three picks. <clears throat> I'm probably seeing more of that. Um, I don't like laying six, but tough travel spot for Oakland. I think uh, Denver gets it done. I probably won't be involved. Uh, Denver, Denver might be... Denver might be good. Denver might be that ugly. They might be that ugly Ugly team that just wins. Just ugly wins. They end up with like 10 ugly wins and they're right in it. I I think Denver to make the playoffs might be worth a look if that line isn't too uh, prohibitive at this point. And uh, I'm going to pull that up while you're jabbering. Oh come on! We bet that in the preseason. You definitely we, we talked about it. I, de- I we definitely I talked. We definitely talked about it. Let me let me uh, let me let me lay out Oakland. They're they're three to one almost to win the AFC West. Let me get your take on Oakland, Monique. Uh, this this clown show. They gave Derek Carr a hundred million dollars. The guy cannot take pressure up the middle to save his life. Uh, he hears footsteps behind him. He has happy feet. He's throwing away the ball <laughs> when there's a clean pocket. Uh, yeah, good good job. You gave him five years, a hundred million dollars. You gave uh, John Gruden. $100 million. Guy hasn't coached in over 10 years. Uh, he promptly trades away a third-round pick from Artavius Bryant and cuts him. He promptly gets into a public dispute with his best player on his roster and Khalil Mack refuses to give this guy a payday even though they have $16 million in cap space. They ship him on the eve of the season uh, to the uh, Chicago Bears for future draft picks. What is going on in Oakland? Is this, you know, is there... Is it is there going to be a bounce back for this team this season, or is it is this going in one direction in the under the John Gruden tenure? <laughs> well, I mean, it's 
I actually, I, well, I'm not sure the projections of them. They don't look very good, but for some reason I wound up on Raiders plus six. I think I hate, well, I definitely hate that they're playing on the short week, but I think their Monday night loss was more of a testament to how good the Rams were rather than okay. how bad the That's Raiders fair. are. Um, I think they definitely just struggled slowing down Gurley and getting any pressure at all to Goff. I think if the Raiders can minimize turnovers, I think they have a good shot at winning outright. I just don't see the Broncos scoring very many points. So I think getting the points with plus six, I think if you wait, you might be able to catch it at a touchdown. Uh, Sunday morning. Oh, but I could see this steaming. That's for sure. that's a super I, I good point. It definitely sure. the public yeah. money yeah, yeah. is going to come in on, on everybody. Saw the you know anybody who stayed up late saw the Raiders just poop it down their leg. I definitely think you probably see a seven. Yeah, I agreed. Agreed. All okay. those Monday night games are just everyone's watching them, and there's just huge overreactions to how teams perform on those. The Thursday night games tend to be those like sleeper games where you're literally sleeping while watching them. They're just that bad or boring. Or if yeah, you love right. defense, I mean, <laughs> I love defense, but some of those games are just unwatchable. But the Monday nighters, especially when they're big blowout wins, I just find I don't have any stats to back this, but the team that gets blown out on those Monday nighters going into the next week. You know, it can go one of two ways. Either they get blown out again or they just have, you know, they come up amped up and to try to prove that they're not as bad as they showed on Monday mm-hmm. night. And I think that's what's going to happen with the Raiders. I think it's going to be one of those ugly games, one of those close games. And I think you come down to a field goal at the end. Well, this is definitely a market overreaction spot. And I usually take advantage of these, but I just couldn't stomach it with the Raiders again this week. I backed them last week against the Rams. I thought being at home on Monday night, they were frisky and the talent just, they just didn't have the talent. They just don't, they don't have a very talented roster, especially on defense. You get that defense on the field. They were, it felt like, it felt like they were hopeless. Uh, every time the Rams had a drive in the second half, you were like, ah, they're going to score. You know, I mean, it was, there was just, they, they lacked a key playmaker a guy that's wearing 52 in chicago right now and i i just i don't understand the direction of the franchise i don't understand why they did that and uh people were calling it a win-win trade at the time and i'm like are you kidding me raiders won this somehow uh and you know even if they absolutely hit it out of the park with one of their two picks that they got like i i don't understand why you threw away uh this particular season on that trade. So, um, good. I'll be pulling for you though. Cause I do agree. You know, we were expecting to see Denver minus one and it opened minus five. So, you know, clearly there's a huge over overreaction there and, and you probably get some value in this, even if it's ends up seven, especially. I just think that the Broncos aren't going to score any points. And I mean, maybe okay. I'm a little bit biased going into the season as they had their win total under, but I feel like, I don't know. It's one of those, I can't really justify. Well, I mean, I, I can kind of explain and I can kind of justify why I like the Raiders, but I, you know what, if I can get a touchdown, I'm on that for sure. Okay. Nice. Um, and you guys got an angle for this God awful Sunday night game. The Cowboys looked so bad. Yeah, the my angles did go to bed early. Oh, I, I almost, I almost pulled the trigger here on the giants, but I cannot talk myself into them winning this game. Uh, I guess it opened. Let at three me and a half. let me talk you into it. Okay, because I guess we were ex- okay. So in the in the when they opened the look ahead lines preseason, we were expecting to see New York Giants minus. I'm sorry, plus six on the road in this spot. They open at three. Um, I guess if you were at a particular book at a particular time, you could have gotten three and a half probably. Um, but whatever the case is, um, you you know you're 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 talking about two teams that have you know, have glaring holes, glaring problems. Uh, Dallas coordinate, 
you know, offensive coordinator situation is, a, you know, is a nightmare. Play calling is a nightmare. Uh, Dak Prescott is playing with less confidence than I've seen him play since he's been in the league. Um, Eli Manning looks completely washed. Your offensive line that you supposedly fixed does not look fixed. Uh, and, uh, yeah, maybe you have a, a defensive, uh, a defensive show here and the under is, is a look in division game, low scoring game, uh, looking at, it's been bet down from 43 to 42 and a half. So they're expecting, you know, a tight, low scoring game here. Andy, what, uh, where are you going in this one? I'm not, but I do respect some people's opinions on taking the giants. Uh, I really really thought the Cowboys would change and I don't know why like that was that was some of the most uninspired play calling and play design play execution if their offense looks like anything like that uh, it's not going to take a great defense to slow them down like I said I wasn't that impressed with Carolina whereas the Giants had to play an elite defense and new head coach new rookie running back possible little bit of a liability with Eli. Uh, I, I think they win this game. I, I'm not, you know, it's not strong enough for me to play it. Obviously I said, I'm staying away, but I just don't think Dallas should be laying points in this spot. Even, you know, they're called a pick them on a neutral field. Uh, I'd lean giants. I think this lines off a little bit. Uh, now you're talking I me just, back into this. I didn't I know. I just, I just, I, I think, I think the giants, <sighs> I think the Giants' offense could get going. Like, yeah, they could. you know, we're so incepted by watching the Giants for like twelve weeks with no offensive weapons last year. Like, they've got the receivers back, but they were just neutralized by a great defense with all offseason to game plan against them. Like, they knew right. we we got to cover Beckham once they drafted Saquon. That they knew we have to take him into account. And I mean, Jacksonville's defense, even on the road. I would take 10 times out of 10 over Dallas's defense at home. I think the Giants get some points. It's a low total. Giants get 20 points. They're covering the spread. Yep. Yep. Okay. I, I think that's uh, okay. Now let me ask you a question. Actually, I'll ask Monique a question. Uh, if I'm feeling like I've been talked into the Giants here, which I feel like I am and kind of, I already like them anyway. So maybe I'll just, I'll, I'll wait and see how Sunday goes and then decide at the time. If I want to bet, if you have money to spare, exactly, yeah, exactly, (laughs) yeah, we'll see if I if I'm licking my wounds or if I'm like uh, if I'm I'm penny bags that's that's just throwing money around on the Giants alt 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 uh, spreads, Giants minus two and a half and whatnot. Uh, What uh, do you think that the Giants continue to take money? Are they going to be the uh, uh, the sharp side here? I think they will, and I think they will all season because. I mean, the public loves Barkley. As I love Barkley. I'm so impressed by what I've seen. And at the end of the day, when you have a running back and one key playmaker, which they do on the offensive side, it doesn't matter how bad Eli looks. They're just going to continue to feed the kid the rock. And if he continues to perform, I mean, he was he was decent. He had that one big rush, which obviously helped his totals. And I mean, it looked good on him. But he he runs really hard. And he is the difference maker. And I think their team total, I'm looking at 19 and a half and the chalk is on the over. And I would, I would lean towards that. I think it's, it's safer. The Cowboys defense looked okay. They looked rusty. They looked okay. Um, I would 
probably take Giants if I were to pick a side, but I feel like it's one of those games where even if you take someone for tackles or one of one of those prop bets, I think that's intriguing. I wouldn't go field goals in that, but I think there's, there's a, it's definitely a, a prop-tastic game for sure. Ooh, nice. Ooh, nice. Okay, okay. Well, maybe I'll get it. Yeah, look, get, uh, I said, you know, if the Giants get to 20... Yeah. You know, I said if the Giants get to twenty, they probably cover. But yeah, if, if their team totals like nineteen and a half, maybe that's not the worst look either. You can take the take the Cowboys points right out of the equation. Ooh, I like this. I like this because uh, yeah, I mean yeah, you're right. The da- the Dallas defense did look rusty. They only really disrupted Carolina to the tune of Carolina's offensive line was utter garbage. Um, and uh, yeah, this could be an interesting look. I like this. Okay, well before we let you go. Uh, we're going to skip Monday. We'll do Monday on on, uh, on our Sunday pod, Andy. Uh, I have a play on that one, but we'll get to that later. Uh, but do. before we let you go, Monique, um, you got to pick for the Breeders' Cup. You made my favorite horse call of the summer. Uh, Catholic Boy in the Travers was just oh. outstanding. <laughs> I, I was in Vegas <laughs> for that. You. I was in the sports book. I was like, I better check to see what Monique played before I go lay that wood on good magic here. And sure enough, Monique is on Catholic Boy. I'm like, hmm, I better pull a switcheroo here. And uh, that was, uh, you know, in the sports book in Vegas, watching that race was outstanding. So thank you so much for that. What was the race? What was the race we bet? Oh, it was just a piece of shit Saratoga Friday race. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that, that was, was not, that, uh, was that, that one. Was that was that yeah, was. Yeah, your was... horse. I think your horse just finished now. <laughs> yeah, that was not good. That was, that was good. awful. Uh, but yeah, what? Uh, what do you? you, are, were you one were you? I know you. You played some amazing horses this summer, and I followed along and enjoyed every minute of it. But uh, <laughs> what'd you think of the? What'd you think of the year? And uh, you know, any any looks at the breeder? The year was the year was odd. So for Catholic Boy in particular, like. Okay, this is moving forward, I guess. Maybe you could use this as well. But I, when there's a horse that's racing in, in against G1 company or racing any greatest stakes company, and they're doing a surface change, whereas he was, he was primarily a dirt horse. And if they're willing, and he was dominating the dirt, and they're willing to move him up to the turf or one of those like surface changes which look odd to someone, obviously, if it's a good horse, trainers know best. And the people that are looking after the horse know best. So I figured, you know what? He changed of surface. He looked really good on the turf. So they're moving him to the dirt. And I, the price was great. I thought the outside post was great. And I just, I loved him. Um, so for the Breeders' Cup, man, it's it's tough. It's been, a, it's been a crazy year. It's Breeders' Cup. I hate betting futures on horses in general, unless you're doing derby futures so early always it's always one of those where i love to see the way the track plays out the day before Great or point. even the day of and it's one of those i'm only betting them based on prices so no look aheads for the breeders cup yet okay but fair enough yeah it should be it you should know, be a good I race to, i got to thinking about you when we were out in vegas uh what was that now a month ago yeah. They had uh, Woodbine up on one of the TVs. Oh, in the God. And you didn't, was, did you? It was dumping. <laughs> no, but it was, I'm like, I wonder if Monique's there. And then I looked closer and it was just dumping rain. I'm like, I hope not. <laughs> it looked awful. It was yeah, Woodbine's odd. You know what? The thing with Woodbine in particular is they have their, what we call like an all-weather surface because they race them 
all through the winter for the most part, which is something fairly new. So the surface is very, very weird. Sometimes it'll play super fast. Sometimes it'll play super slow. And then, I mean, it's, 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 it's a very odd track and the stretch is endless. And honestly, the caliber of horses is just so subpar based on what you get out of the West coast or even Belmont or anything like that. But Woodbine's an interesting track and the long shots come in. So, <laughs> But I was definitely not there in the rain. <laughs> I'll tell you that much. <laughs> uh, good stuff. All right. Well, um, best of luck the rest of the season. We'll get you back on so you can uh, continue to tack up your uh, your views to your, your I mean your appearances on the deep def. Um, and as always, it's so great talking to you, and really appreciate your time. So. Thank you so much. Thank you guys so much for having me. It's always a pleasure. And I, I got to beat that. Six is the magic number. I've oh. mentally kept note of that. And I'm, I'm not forgetting that. Okay. All right. Well, <laughs> uh, yeah. Best of luck this weekend. I hope you guys all enjoyed this. And uh, we will talk to you on uh, Sunday, Monday. What do you think, uh, Andy? Yeah, we'll, be, we'll do a Sunday night pot. And yeah, thanks for listening, everyone. And as always, if you have anything NFL related, hit us up on Twitter. Love to argue NFL. All right. Take it easy, man. See ya.